Now, we're continuing our series today that we've titled Inspired. We started it back in June, and we find ourselves here today, early October, looking at Galatians and Ephesians. Galatians and Ephesians. Inspired, we're looking at the 66 love letters of God. Premise statement that we've made is that from Genesis chapter 3, where man divorces God and turns his back on God, from Genesis chapter 3 through the end of Revelation, it's the story of a betrayed lover wooing us back so that we can have relationship and fellowship with him forever. Galatians, Ephesians, Benji broke down Romans, one of my favorite books last week. We dealt with the book of Corinthians. If you missed it, I would highly encourage you to watch it. But Galatians and Ephesians, here's, here's where I want to kind of take you as we start. When the believers in Galatia or Ephesus or Philippi or Colossae or Thessalonica or Rome or Corinth, when they received this little letter from this guy by the name of Paul, Paul, this apostle of Jesus Christ, Paul, which his name means little. And God has changed his name from Saul, meaning requested and admired to this little guy that he wants to use. When they received this letter from Paul, it was all they had. You see, the gospels had not been canonized. They didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. They didn't have Acts. All they had was this little letter written to them in Galatia, to the churches in Galatia, to the church in and churches in Ephesus, to the churches in Philip. It's all they had. And for so many of these, they were Gentiles that had come to faith to believe that Jesus Christ really was the Messiah and the resurrected King. It's all they had. Many of these Gentiles were not brought up understanding anything about Judaism, so they didn't understand Torah. They, they didn't go through Bet Sefer in Hebrew at that time, house of the book, learning Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. When they got the letter, it's all they had. And they were so happy. And I remember about 15 years ago, I, I was pondering and starting to study even deeper, and I felt like the Lord hit me with that thought. And it was like, why don't you study the book of Galatians as if it's the only book that you have? And so I did. And it probably took me five or six months to unpackage and dive into Galatians. And then God said, you've got permission to go to Ephesians. And I spent five or six months diving into Ephesians. Same thing with Colossians, same thing with Philippians. And I tried to memorize as much of each of these letters as I could. Because I'm like, well, if that's all those believers had in that day, then undoubtedly it was enough to still live the abundant life in Christ. That's all they had. So I, I didn't read Psalms, Proverbs, any of the guy. I would just read and stay in these books. And I would encourage you to consider doing that. Over the next weeks, over the next months, over the next years, dive into the epistle writings. My buddy Daryl, who was on drums today, after the first service, Daryl came up and he said, am I motivated now to study Galatians and Ephesians like never before? I'm like, Praise the Lord. Nathan Franklin, who was in our first service, he was not here last week. His family had to attend a funeral. Nathan is superintendent of schools for Walton County. I was talking to him, and Nathan said, I'll watch the video. If you miss anything, all of our videos are online. He said, I'll watch the video breaking down Corinthians. I learned more about the backdrop of Corinthians 
in that 40-minute teaching that I've ever known in my life. That, that encouraged me because I know the Holy Spirit is wanting to give us illumination and revelation, and the job of the pastor teacher is, based on Ephesians, is to equip the saints for the work of the service because all Scripture is inspired by God. Galatians, Paul writes to this church and churches in Galatia, and he starts Galatians 1, verse 1, by saying, Paul, an apostle, Sent not by man nor through the agency of man, but sent by Jesus Christ and God the Father that raised him from the dead. When you study Galatians, Paul uses emphatic language in Galatians 1.1 that he doesn't use in any other book. He, he will write to the believers in Ephesus and Philippi and Paul, an apostle, grace and peace in Jesus' name. But here he starts way different. Verse 6 is an indicator when he says, I'm so amazed. I, I, I'm, I'm perplexed with you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that you're so quickly deserting him, God who called you by his grace. I, I'm amazed that you're so quickly deserting him for a different gospel, which is not even a different gospel. I'm amazed what happened. Listen, listen, this is important. I promise you the book of Galatians is, is such a strong book and it's one of my favorite books when I dialogue with my Catholic friends because what had happened in Galatia was some of these people had really embraced Christ and then the Judaizers, they came in teaching this, God's grace is good but you've got to have human effort. And so the Judaizers came in, crept in, and started teaching these brand new Gentile converts that in order really to be a Christian, you really needed to be more Jewish. And they started teaching that if you're really going to know God and walk with God and know this Jesus, you need to keep the law, you dudes need to be circumcised. You need to, you need to, you need to. And so they came in with a teaching that Jesus plus more really made God pleased with you. And Paul writes this letter to these young believers and to this church to confront the Judaizers because they were saying, hey, hey y'all say that you've received Christ, but now you're starting to add all this stuff to it. It's Jesus plus more the fundamental components of religion will always say you've got to do something. Fundamental component of Christianity says you don't have to do anything. It's a gift. Religion says do. Christianity says done. Christianity and following Christ hinges on Jesus saying it is finished. Religion hinges on Basically, Jesus' argument being, I've done my part, now you go do yours. It falls apart. It's not biblical. And so Paul is writing saying, stop it. You're weighing people down. You're confusing them. So you've got to go to confession, and you're, you're teaching purgatory, and you're teaching penance, and you're teaching, and you're, you're, you're saying Jesus plus more. Stop it. And that's his argument. I'm amazed that you're deserting him, Jesus. 
And that's the reason he writes with such emphatic language. I was sent by God. I was sent by the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not writing from an institution position. I, I, I was sent by God. And I'm writing with authority based on who sent me. So it's important to understand who's writing it, who's he writing it to, what are the fundamental arguments that uh, he's having to address. I would, I would encourage you to consider this. When you see uh, even the word there, uh, law, that's mentioned so many times in Galatians, in the book of Galatians. Think about this. Insert the word performance. Insert the word human effort. Insert the word uh, living by a man-made system. We're, we're going to unpackage that. Tim, what is one of the key verses for you in the book of Galatians? Without a doubt, 220. 220. For me, I believe Acts 1.8 where he says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You're going to receive power. Everything in my house is either a 110 or a 220 in regards to what I plug into. Galatians 1.10 says, am I seeking the approval of man or am I seeking the approval of God? If I was seeking man's approval, I couldn't be God's servant. I'm plugging into that. Then 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ and nevertheless, it's not I that live but it's now Christ that lives in me, the life I'm living. I'm living by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20 is so crucial. 1.10, 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. Verse 21, 2.21, if righteousness could be attained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. And so that's what he's confronting in Galatians. Y'all know who I am? Y y y yes. Y'all know that I was steeped in Judaism? Yes. Y'all know that I was a member of the Sanhedrin? Y yes. Y'all know that I was a Jew of Jew and Pharisee of Pharisees, circumcised the eighth day according to the tribe of Benjamin? Y'all know where I'm coming from? Yeah, yes. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting this Jesus, this grace for a different gospel, which is not even a different gospel. What is the gospel? If I'm deserting him for a different gospel, then what is the gospel? If the gospel is the good news, then I should probably know what the gospel is, right? Yes, I, I need to know what the gospel is. If I'm deserting him for a different gospel, then what is the gospel that I should receive? The gospel is good news, but I, and we here at the Cross Loganville, believe that you must understand the gospel you must believe the gospel, believe, in the Greek is the word pistis, which means persuaded to action. We believe you must understand it, believe, and act on it. Demons believe and tremble. It's, it's not about just this acknowledging, it's about believing. So what is the gospel? We must understand, believe, and act on it if we're going to come to saving faith. What, 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 what's the gospel? So if we live... If we live with eternity as the backdrop, we come into the gospel with the understanding that God made us and God loves us. Amen. Then, then, and, then we can get to the gospel. God, God, God made you. God loves you. That's right. Does God love me, period? Yes. 
And so Rick and Kara went to Catalyst this week, and it, it was really, really cool. And we were fired up that, that they were able to go together. And, and, and Kara had asked Barb, who's the best, if she could keep Nora. And Nora's this little three-month-old, and she was only three pounds and ten ounces or whatever when she was born. And she's up to almost nine pounds now, probably eight and a half. And she's so cute at three months old. And I've never really held babies that small because when Barb had our children, they all weighed nine and a half pounds up to 11.6 or 11 and a half. And I was like, These are, this is a tiny little baby who's three months old, right? I mean, our kids came out talking, right? It was crazy. <laughs> and then two weeks later, they were walking. And now, but now they were big babies. And so, I'm, but I'm, I'm holding little Nora the other day. And I was like, she's so cute. She's so precious. And it was like the Lord said, I love this baby so much. And I'm like, I know she's so innocent. Innocent means she's ignorant of evil and she hadn't participated in evil or sin. She's just a little baby. And I I was just looking at her and God goes, "And, and I love you and every person in that church as much as I love her. Because I don't love based on behavior. I love because it's my character. So to understand the gospel, you've got to understand that God made you and God loves you. But here's the first point. What's the gospel, Tim? If they're leaving the gospel, the gospel is sin disrupted humanity at all levels. There's none righteous, no, not one, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. We're all born into the world sinners. That's Part of the understanding the gospel. What else do you say about the gospel? Well, sin has a consequence. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. There's got to be a payment for sin. Somebody's going to have to pay the price for sin. That's, that's part of the gospel. We believe that the gospel is Jesus paid the price once and for all, that God demonstrated his love toward us while we were sinners, Christ died for us, that he died for the ungodly. That's the gospel. Do you believe it? Have you received it? Are you acting on it? We believe that the good news of the gospel is Jesus extending salvation, and it's a free gift, and you can't do anything to earn it. That's the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave. That's the gospel. The gospel is we believe that you must receive it by faith, not by works. It's a free gift. Jesus offers it, but that's the gospel. So when you cut me open and you go, Tim, what's the gospel? I mean, God made us and loved us. That's the backdrop, but sin messed it up. There's a price. Jesus paid the price. He offers this free gift, and you've got to receive it by faith. That's the gospel. So when Paul is writing to this church in Galatia, he's like, some are coming in and disturbing the gospel. Some are coming in saying, Jesus plus you doing something is going to really make God pleased with you. And he goes, it's not going to work. And he uses one of the heroes of Scripture and heroes of faith in Abraham starting in verse 21. But, but it's very interesting when he says, tell me, you who want to be under the law, tell me how many of y'all want to live according to the law, according to legalism and performance. How, how many of y'all want to live under law? 
Do you not listen to the law? If you want to live by the law, if you're coming in here trying to convince these people that they need to live by the law, are you listening and living by it yourself? And then he says, listen, it is written, Abraham had two sons, one by a bondwoman, one by a free woman. Y'all listen, y'all know where I came from. Y'all know my story on the Damascus Road. Y'all know that I'm, I'm all about Jesus and nothing else. Y'all know that chapter 2, I had to confront Peter because he was hanging out with Gentiles like roasting pigs and having a cold beer, just enjoying life. And then he would hang out with the Jews and it's like, dude, we got to keep the Sabbath and we got to be kosher and we just need to drink water over here. And I had to confront him. I'm like, save it because you're confusing the people. Tell me, y'all, who want to be under the law? Y'all want to live by the law? Y'all want to live by performance? You want to live by legalism? You want to live by guilt and shame? Abraham had two sons by two different women. For real? Yeah. And, and, and you know him? Like his name, Abram, meant exalted father, and he was married to Sarah, a little princess. And, you know, God talked to Abram and said, hey, you and Sarah, little princess, Y'all need to move from where you're at. And Hebrews even says they, they packed up their stuff and went down to the bank of Ur and checked out all their money. And they went to a land not knowing where they were going. Y'all, y'all know that story? Y- yeah. And, and, and you know when they got to wherever God told them to go that God had said, I'm going to bless you, Abram. And they were fired up and they were trusting God. And all of a sudden, Sarai looks at Abram one day and says, uh, I can't respond to you and give birth to an offspring, but you know, we picked up this chick, Hagar, down here at the auction, and we bought this slave girl by the name of Hagar. Why don't you have relations with her? So Hagar has relations with exalted father Abram. She responds to him, gets pregnant, and she has this son. Do you not know Abraham that he had two sons, one by a bondwoman and one by a free woman, and This bond woman gave birth to a son by the name of Ishmael, which means wild donkey and wild dude, just fleshly one. How many of y'all want to live according to the law? Y'all know the story? He got out of God's plan. He went back and he gave birth to something that was never God's blueprint. Y'all know when you hook up with the law and with bondage, that's what's going to happen, right? And then God changed his name from Abram to Abraham, which meant father of many or father of faith. And he changed Sarai's name to Sarah, which means graceful one. And God spoke to Sarah, graceful one, and said, Grace, I know you're 90 and he's 100, but you can respond to him and have an offspring. And she laughs. Fat chance that's going to happen. But they come together and grace responds to faith and faith is able to respond to grace, and as a result, grace becomes pregnant with Isaac, which means laughter and joy. And the joy of the Lord was born, and, and he looks out and he goes, how many of y'all want to live under the law? How, how many of y'all are trying to place your faith in the law, in performance, in legalism, in rules? How, how many of y'all want to live that way? Or how many of y'all are trusting that the grace of God is enough to save you if you place your faith in it? 
And Kim even says there, right at the end of Galatians 4, the one who was born according to the flesh persecuted the one who was born according to the spirit. And so it is also now. When you were brought up in some of the Catholic teaching, I'll never forget doing an outreach up in Philadelphia one, one year. This was years ago. And I was at the Philadelphia airport getting ready to fly back, and I had on some Jesus apparel T-shirt. And the person says, uh, what, 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 checking me in, ticket counter there. What were you doing here in Philly? I was doing an outreach sharing the love of Jesus. What kind of church you go to? I go to an evangelical church. So you're a Protestant. No, ma'am, I'm not protesting anything. I'm a follower of Jesus. No, Luther was a Protestant. He was protesting. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a contester, not a protester. I'm contesting the claims. And this lady looked at me and said, when are you going to come back to the true church? And I said, I assume that you're some flavor of Catholic, whether it's Roman, whether it's Irish, Polish, or something. So you're asking me, when am I going to come back to Hagar and Ishmael? Some of us in the Bible belt was brought up in the bondage belt, and some of us were taught things that handcuffed us for years, Spencer. We got beat up with shame and guilt. Rick, with our students right now, they're going through Corinthians. He was talking to me the other day, and I He's like, you know, there's a scripture. I said, oh, I, I, I know. First Corinthians 11 in that area, yeah. We went through Corinth last week. But don't even nature itself teach you if a man has long hair? It's a shame unto him. But if a woman has long hair, it's for a covering. My first introduction as a 13-year-old boy was independent, fundamental, 1611, King James only, bash Baptistism. Brother, your hair is touching your ear. You got to get a haircut. What has that got to do with my heart? And when God showed me this text here in Galatians, starting with chapter 4, verse 19 and 21, all the way through the end, he goes, Timmy, look at me. It is grace. It is not law. It is grace that leads to freedom, not performance. Cut it, cut it, cut it loose. And then he writes in Galatians 5, 1, as we have it, it was for freedom that Christ has set you free. Therefore, do not go back and be a slave to that yoke and bondage of slavery any longer. It's freedom. It was for freedom. <sighs> freedom. And freedom is not the privilege to do as you want. It's the responsibility to do as you should. But he's set you free. And where the... Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Y'all listen, y'all need to receive this. So he writes and he's like, man, even Galatians 5, 7, y'all were running well. Who cut in on y'all? Y'all were dancing and chilling, staying in your lane and God was doing something and you let somebody cut in and disturb it. Do you not understand that the deeds of the flesh are obvious? And he lists all these but then he says, do you not realize that the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control? I want y'all 
to know that it's Jesus. So listen, listen. The fundamental argument, Hannah Cash, in the book of Galatians is this. Jesus plus more equals God is being pleased with you. It is a lie from hell, and it's what Paul was confronting. It doesn't work that way. Listen to how Paul closes Galatians 14 through 16. I will boast about the cross of Jesus Christ. We had t-shirts made up when we were changing the name of our church. And the caption on the back read, we love to brag. And the verse was Galatians 6.14. If we're going to boast and brag about anything, we're going to brag about Jesus Christ and his cross. It's like, man, I love to brag on Jesus because of the cross, I've been set free from pleasing others. This is how Paul closes it. Do y'all not realize that the cross of Christ frees me where I don't even have to please anybody else? It doesn't matter whether you've been circumcised or not. What counts is whether you've been transformed into a new creation. Paul is writing, and he's saying, listen, listen, please. Get back to the true gospel the true gospel is God loves you and you receive this gift by faith not by works not by effort I walk in it and he loved the people in Galatia and I love so many of my friends who were born and raised in legalism who are coming out of Catholicism they've looked and said no yes it's Jesus plus more It's Jesus plus transubstantiation when it comes to communion. It's Jesus plus you're having to go through a confessional booth and talk to a priest. It's Jesus plus something else, and it's wrong. It's man-made. It's religion. It's not the gospel. And and then he writes to these believers in Ephesus, and uh, his fundamental truth statement or equation that you can use for the book of Ephesians is this, Jesus plus nothing equals completion. He has written to one, confronting it, Brandy saying, y'all want to add, y'all say circumcision, keep the law. He writes to the believers in Ephesus and says, guys, Jesus plus nothing is what will complete you. Paul Grace and peace. I mean, he don't even confront them. He's not coming hard at them. He starts by saying, man, in those first 14 verses, he uses the phrase in Christ or in him eight times. And what he's saying is when you realize who you are in Christ and you, you trust that identity, your identity drives your activity. Who you are determines what you do. You're in Christ. You're in him. And then Paul's like, I'm praying for y'all. I love y'all. I'm praying that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you'll know who you are in Christ and all that God has done for you. That's Ephesians 1. It's like, man, I love that. It's Ephesians. And the first three chapters he talks about This is who you are in Christ. The last three chapters, four, five, and six, this is how you're to walk now because you belong to Christ. And so those first ones, again, you're in Christ, you belong to him. I'm praying for you. He gets to chapter two. Don't miss it. You belong to him. You remember chapter two starts off by saying you were dead in your trespasses and your sin. 
You remember you were pagans, you were lost, you were walking in darkness and the futility of your mind like the Gentiles. Y'all remember that? But God being rich in mercy, y'all remember? Yes, God, God was rich in mercy even when we were practicing sinners because of his grace and love. Y'all remember? Yes. It's by grace that you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's not a result of work so that no man can boast about it. You realize you're saved by grace through faith. Yes. I'm saved by grace through faith. What would you do to get it, Tim? I'm saved by grace, God's unmerited, unconditional love and favor through faith. I just got to trust it and receive it. That's how you're saved. That's how anybody's saved. And if I was saved by grace through faith, then how do I keep the salvation alive? I did nothing to get it. So what can I do to lose it? You want some hyper-reform style thinking theologically? I will tell you this. If you were saved by grace through faith and you feel like it's up to you to keep your salvation or lose it, you've got bad theology working inside of you. It's a gift. Does that mean then, Tim, that we have a licentiousness to sin? God forbid Paul would write in Romans 6, no, how can you who have been freed of sin and trust Christ continue in sin. What saves you, Grace? Through faith. Does my performance and behavior then lead me? God is at work in me both to will and to act according to his good pleasure. Then he looks at his Christa and says this, you girl, because you belong to me, you are my workmanship created in Christ Jesus, unto good works that your God prepared before you, before the foundations of the earth. You're my workmanship, which means you're my masterpiece. You're my one-of-a-kind piece of art. Luke Jones, you are my masterpiece. We're not mass-produced. You were born an original. Don't die a copy you are his masterpiece look at my servant luke there's none like him i redeemed him by grace through faith he's been saved he did nothing and now he is to reveal me my love to the world krista drew you're my masterpiece That's who you are. That's who you are in Christ. You are the masterpiece of God. You did nothing. He's writing, going, do y'all not know how good your father is in heaven? Hunter, you're, you're his masterpiece. He loves me and you as if we're like that three-month-old baby. He doesn't hold our past and failures and sin and scars against us. You're my masterpiece. Listen to this. Even 2.19, you are no longer strangers. You're no longer aliens. You're fellow citizens with the saints. You are now a part of God's household. Who 
Me? Timmy, do you know who you are? So why live downcast? Why live with anxiety? Why live defeated? I belong to the king. I'm a saint. He calls me holy. Why are you so defeated? Why do you live in defeat? Why do you attack other people? Why do you use guilt and shame to keep yourself in captivity? Why do you leverage guilt and shame against others? You're his masterpiece. You're his one-of-a-kind piece of art that he's wanting to show the world of how good he is. In this first little section in Ephesians, he closes in 3.20 by saying, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything you can ask or think according to his power now that dwells inside of you. To him be glory and power and praise forever to him who is able to do. Who's he talking to? Saints. His children. Man, I'm telling you right now, I love the epistles. I love the truths and the epistles. The last three chapters of Ephesians is all about walk. Last week we talked about you give love a bad name. This week, we ain't got nothing for you today. <laughs> but it really would be a little Aerosmith and walk this way. Paul uses the phrase walk as probably his favorite metaphor in the epistle writings. Here's how I want you to walk, which implies here's the way I want you to live. Here's the way you should be living. Here's the way you get to live now. And he starts chapter four by saying, y'all imitate me as I imitate Jesus. Walk this way. And he says, would y'all please preserve the unity of the Spirit? There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Would y'all preserve the unity? Even in verse 1 of chapter 4, he says, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Verse 17, he says, you're to no longer walk like the Gentiles and the futility of their mind. Chapter 5, you look at verses 2, 8, and 15. He goes, walk in love. Just as Jesus Christ loved you and gave himself, walk in love. Walk as children of light. Be careful how you walk. Not as unwise, but wise. Make sure you're walking right. When you study it, it's phenomenal. I want you to walk in the spirit. Those who worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. I want you to walk in the spirit. I want you to walk in freedom. It's freedom. I've said you're free now. I want you to walk in freedom. I want you to walk in such a way that you're encouraging one another with hymns and psalms and spiritual songs. When you get together, yes, walk that way. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which 
provides grace and edification. Ephesians 4.29, walk this way with each other. Walk it out. Then he gets to chapter 5, and I, I want you to walk this way in marriage. Be subject to one another in reverence for Christ. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church and was willing to give himself and die. What Wives, walk this way. Respect your husbands. Husbands, love your wives in such a way that you wash them with the word of God. Walk this way. Get to chapter 6. Hey, 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 fathers, don't provoke your kids to anger. Emphasis, bring your kids up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Teach them, walk this way. Kids, honor your mom and dad where your days might be a little longer here on the planet. Walk, walk this way. Hey, hey, if you're working for somebody, honor who you're working for. Walk, walk this way. And if you're a boss over other people, walk this way. Take care of your people. Walk, walk, walk this way. Jeff, I'm telling you, it's awesome. Here's how I want you to walk. He even includes in four. Here's how I want you to talk. Put, put on Christ. Put him on. How's your walk? How, how's your walk today with Christ? How, how you, how's your life? How's your hang time in word, prayer, communion, fellowship? How's your walk? How's your walk with others? Family members, friends, co-workers? How's your walk? Are you salt and light? Are you, are you really serious about being his masterpiece of, one of, of a kind piece of art? Are you, are you living out being his workmanship? How's your walk in your marriage? Husbands, are you willing to die for your wives? I'm in two covenants with God through the shed blood of his son. And I'm in a covenant with Barb, my wife. Timmy, die for Barb. Your priest, your prophet, your provider, your protector. Take care of that girl. Die for. That's right. Barb, watch him. Pray for him. He's trying to figure it out. I promise you. But Barb, pray for him. Watch him press into Jesus. Encourage him. Respect him. Come on, you can stay with it. How, how's your marriage? How you walking in your marriage? How you walking as a parent? Had a family come up after the first service. And they're like, we need prayer. We're adopting a 10-year-old. And they started laying it out. The last five years of this little girl's life has been very tough. She's in a different county. But we've gone through the process, and we're going to need prayer I introduced them to a couple of people in our body, and I said, yes, you will, but I'm proud of y'all for doing that. Where's her parents? Who neglected her? Who rejected her? How you doing in parenting? And then as a son or a daughter, how, how, how you doing? Are you walking it out in such a way with your mom and dad that you're honoring them? I want you to walk this way. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in freedom. Walk it out to the glory of God. That's what he says. Man, I love that letter. 
want you to walk this way, Timmy. And then, then he closes out his writings to the believers in Ephesus. And Timothy is going to pastor here a little later on, Danny. But he tells them, finally, verse 10 of chapter 6, finally, be strong in the Lord. Your identity, finally, be strong in Jesus. Stay strong, guys. Don't miss the transition and terminology of metaphor here. Be strong in the Lord. And I want you to put on the full armor of God so that you can stand. I want you to walk this way, and I want you to walk this way in marriage, and I want you to walk this way with others, and I want you to walk this way, but I want you to be able to stand firm. Which implies the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. The enemy is going to oppose you. As you're trying to walk this out, at times you're going to have to stop, but you've got to be able to stand. And I want you to stand firm, and I want you to put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the evil one. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against these powers and principalities. I want you to be able to stand your ground. And in order to do that, you're going to have to put on the belt of truth every day. You're going to have to gird your loins with truth. You're going to have to put on truth. You're going to have to know truth, listen to truth, marinate on truth. You're going to have to know what truth is, especially 2018 postmodern culture where absolutes are being thrown away and subjective reasoning is being applauded. I want you to know what truth is. Pilate looks at Jesus and says, what is truth? And he was looking at the embodiment of truth. Put on the belt of truth every day. Now I want you to take the breastplate of righteousness and I want you to put it on. And I want you to trust the righteousness that you have in Christ, not the self-righteousness that you can bring to the dance on your own. I want you to clothe yourself in the righteousness of Christ because he made him who knew no sin to become sin so that you would become the righteousness of God. Clothe yourself in righteousness. Walk it out. Confront any self-righteousness. You belong to him. Here's how I want you to walk. But as you're walking, you've got to be able to stand because you're going to wrestle at times not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. The enemy's going to come against you. But just remember, strap on the armor every day. And, and, and make sure that you incorporate every day the peace of the gospel on your feet. And make sure your, your shoes are on good and, and, and make sure you've got good support and make sure you're able to stand your ground. But wherever you go, because you're walking in truth as the righteous one of God, bring peace with you. Don't be known as a person of conflict, controversy, always stirring the pot when you come because of who you belong to. Bring it in peace. Bring peace. When people see your feet, here come some peaceful feet. 
How blessed are the feet of those who bring good news. Put on, put on the full armor now. I want, you, I want you clothed. And then he says, I, I, I want you to take the shield of faith. I want you to take the shield of faith so that you can extinguish any of the darts the enemy or opposition throws your way. We, we walk by faith, not by sight. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By faith, men of old gained approval with God. By faith, take the, the shield of faith. Walk by faith. Trust that God is with you. Trust his truth. Trust his peace. Trust his righteousness. And when you find yourself in the midst of battle, walk by faith, not by sight. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. He goes, I want you to walk it out. I want you to be able to stand. Put on the helmet of salvation. You're saved. Sanctify your mind to Christ. Take every thought captive. Keep the helmet of salvation on you every day. I want you to stand. I, I, I want you to stand. And then I want you to take the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I want you to study, and I want you to meditate, and I want you to marinate, and I want you to know the Word. Because the only offensive thing you've got in doing battle is the sword of the Spirit. Handle the word accurately. Don't a la carte scripture. Don't cut and paste. Study it in its whole. Don't misuse and abuse the text. I want you to be able to stand. And then I want you to pray at all times, all the time. And I want you to pray for you. And I want you to pray for your family. And I want you to pray for People far, I want you to pray. I want you to be alert. I want you to pray without ceasing. Who? Those who have been saved by grace through faith. Those who have received the gift. Here's how I want you to walk. Last three chapters. Please, please, know your identity. Know who you are in Christ. But know the power of the gospel that leads you to walk in such a way that you will glorify your Father and they will see your good works and they will start to exalt and glorify your Father in heaven. I love the epistles. I really, really, really do. As a student of the word, I want you to get it. I want to equip you to do the work of the service. Now, some of you sitting here today, you would say, I don't even know the Lord. I've never totally repented and responded to that gospel that you were talking about. I, I don't know that gospel. God loves me. Sin disrupted me. That, that gospel where there has to be a payment in Jesus. and the, the, I don't, I've never really received Christ fully. It's time to do it. I need prayer. We'll pray with you today. Pray at all times. Be ready to pray. Some of you have wandered and drifted and you're not even locked in. You don't know who you are in Christ. You've got an identity issue going on, and it's given birth to some jacked-up activity stuff going on. Get it right. Man, I need help. Whatever we can do to encourage you today in prayer, I need a breakthrough. I'm in bondage. I'm still living under the law. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't want to live in that world. Tim, I, I need the grace of Jesus to be dumped on me today. I need to believe he loves me. He's for me. You know what, Tim? I have not taken serious this whole responsibility of being his masterpiece. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a good one-of-a-kind piece of art representing the king where I'm at. Repent of that and get it right. I want to represent the king. Tim, I, I, I don't put that armor on. I read it years ago, but I'm not, I'm not able to stand against some of the crap that comes my way. Some of y'all in here live defeated. You gripe and complain, and it's always somebody else's issue. I, I get it. I, 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 I know the tone. It's because you don't know who you are in Christ. You're still trying to get your needs met apart from Christ. Repent. Turn from that and cry out to Jesus.